you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the first episode of True Crime and Cocktails Unsolved Mysteries Edition. I am Lauren Ash, and I could not be more excited about this podcast. Now, what you're about to hear is the pilot episode of the show, so it was recorded before we had an official title. You may hear it called some different things in this episode. No big deal. The other thing you need to know is that my amazing co-host, Christy, often has visuals in each episode, so you can always check out our Instagram page, at True Crime and Cocktails, where we post anything visual mentioned in the episode for you to cross-reference photos maps video clips it's all going to be there it's like your own personal copy of our case file you can also view the full unedited zoom episodes on our website truecrimeandcocktails.com if you like we do film at night in our pajamas so just be prepared for that but enough preamble pour yourself a drink put on your pjs and join us for this true crime slumber party What's up, everybody? Welcome to Unsolved Mysteries with Lauren and Christy, the show where we talk about Netflix's new Unsolved Mysteries in a deep dive manner. As always, I am your host, Lauren Ash. I am joined, of course, by my sister, Christy Oxborough. Christy, how you feeling? Uh, I'm, re- I'm really good. I'm, uh, I'm a, I mean, I'm a mess about kids in school, <laughs> but uh, of course, but for the most part, I'm, I'm really good. I'm deep diving just swimming through the lives of these strangers (laughs) and it turns out I may have missed a calling because I live for it (laughs) listen we're all learning about ourselves during this quarantine pandemic and I think that that's a great thing yeah I can't make any kind of bread but (laughs) I can find your court case in no name Georgia (laughs) And find out that you were not great, you know? Like, I can I can find these things, and I I find that I'm coming alive, you know? I, I, I feel it. it. I feel it. I feel it yeah. so much. Now, listen, what, how, what's the deal with this show? I'm going to tell you what the deal with this show is. The deal is, is that 
Christy came on an episode of my podcast, Giving It Up For Less. We talked about one of the episodes of Unsolved Mysteries. Our intention was to talk about multiple episodes, but there was so much information because Christy brought so much amazing research to the table that we realized, oh my gosh, we may have to do more of these. And then you, the listeners, had this huge outpouring on social media. We had countless people messaging saying, we need to see more. This is the duo we've been waiting for. And listen, we've been saying this for our entire lives. So it's nice that now we're being acknowledged as a duo. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. But so we thought, you know, let's, let's, you know, let's do this for a little bit. People seem to be interested in it. And we have people who had never even seen the new Unsolved Mysteries who are like, I'm going to watch now because of listening to this podcast. So we're very excited about it. I think it's a whole lot of fun. You've become alive. I've come alive. I think we're learning. We're growing. And, and the people are getting an opportunity to, to pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> that feels right. Now, it, it does feel right. Now, you know, a few b- bits of business, again, that people need to know. Um, it's dark if you're watching this video because it's nighttime. We, we've decided that we record these at night. We, we drink alcohol and we wear our matching pajamas because as children, we were often dressed in matching clothing. And we've, we've decided to, to, you know, own it and kind of take it back. And so when we get together, sometimes, you know, we'll buy, for example, these matching night shirts. Yeah. And it's like an homage to our childhood. You know, back when people found us too irritating to be in the same room. <laughs> Look at us now. <laughs> you know what? I There's a few choice people I'd like to just send a, a tape recording to and say, just yeah. listen to this. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> they probably can't. <laughs> they probably can't. Yeah, they couldn't stand it. Um, but, you know, we come about this honestly. A lot of people, we were thinking back, we were reminiscing off the air uh, about, you know, our love of, of true crime, um, our shared love of true crime. And it reminded us of when we were children. And we were what, like seven and eight? I feel like I was seven. Could have been. I want to say, and I'm going to city name drop here because this is how I moved around a lot. So this is how I remember how old I was at certain times. I was living in Yorkton at the time, so I was there between, like, the 7 and 10-ish, so, yeah, probably about 7, I was probably about 7 or 8. Yeah, I think that's right. So, yes, for the people also confused, we're we're cousins by blood, we're sisters by choice, yeah. we identify as sisters, so that's <laughs> that's where that's coming from, but I did go to, to visit at Yorkton, yeah. uh, I went to visit for the summer, and, uh, not the whole summer, but for a chunk of the summer, and we found a stray kitten. <laughs> we found a stray kitten. Yeah. Well, let, let me, re- yeah. let me already walk this back for a second. We found a kitten outside. It could have belonged to somebody. We don't know. Yeah. Um, but we had recently watched Alvin and the Chipmunks. And in Alvin and the Chipmunks, there was this carrot. They had gotten a kitten named Cookie Chomper the Third. Yeah. Correct? Yes. He- yes, they did. And so we decided that this kitten was named Cookie Chomper the Third. And we had got called in. Again, it was endless summer. So we'd go outside and play for hours. You get called back in to have lunch. You go back outside. But when we went back outside, the kitten was nowhere to be found. So old Christy and Lauren decide we're going to take ownership of this kitten. So we got our paper. We got our crayons. And we made these missing signs. Missing Cookie Chomper the Third. But of course, we didn't have photos because it wasn't our cat. Yeah. And we we drew pictures of the kitten and then we put your your home phone number on these posters and put them up all over the neighborhood. Yeah. 
And somehow we got ratted out. I think you're one of, I think your brother may have ratted oh, us out. Oh, that checks. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. we got us firm talking to that we couldn't just claim that this cat was ours and we needed to go take these signs down. But there's a couple things I think about this. One, ingenuity. Absolutely. Smart. Smart. Um, creative. Yeah. Very creative. And already interested in committing crimes. <laughs> Now we've turned the tables as yeah. adults and realized, you know, we don't want to commit the crimes. We just want to talk about them. Absolutely. And I mean, let's face it. If a cat walked out in either of our houses, like just if we walk outside and there's a kitten there. Yep. It's got a new home. And Get that's that, <laughs> that's how we both feel. Get in the house. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. So I feel like we have not strayed far. But. Don't pardon the pun. Right. Well. Uh, I set it up, you knock it down. <laughs> it's, it's what we do. Yeah. It's what we do. Yeah. I lob you the softball, you hit it out of the park. It feels right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we've come about it honestly. We're here. You're having a slumber party with us. So, you know, pour your cocktail and get ready to deep dive with us into the next in our series of Unsolved Mysteries episodes, which is 13 Minutes. Now, 13 Minutes, I think, was was my favorite of the new episodes. Oh. Was it yours? Oh, see, I I had a really tough time deciding. I mean, that first one really grabs you with the guy uh, jumping off the roof. Um, yeah. And then this one, I mean, the husband alone was enough to be insane to me. I think, I think the uh, No Ride Home probably... <laughs> got me the most because sure. I just was drawn to Alonzo and I know that's problematic but I just <laughs> I don't know yeah. is it problematic to find a dead person attractive I don't think it is I think it's I mean, you know it's honest to be fair I would have I technically have only seen photos of him while he was alive <laughs> Excuse me. I should also say, yeah. I mean, I'm also attracted to James Dean for example. Yes. Is that problematic? No. And we've, he's never been alive in our lifetimes. Really? Yeah, that makes sense. James Dean? Yeah. yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> How old? I mean, James Dean, youthful forever. A young man for life. Yeah, no, that, <laughs> look, that's not something I researched for this. So, so and I listen, I know you. Yeah. I know you've done a ton of research. Show the people who are watching. Show them the, the flavor. I mean, now, well, this is about this case alone. Well, yeah. I mean, it's... It's two inches thick. It's, it's a lot. It's, it's a lot. I mean... Talk to me. Talk to me about your workspace. <laughs> well, I mean, conven usually uh, my husband works home, uh, at home during this nonsense. Uh, so right. he has a desk in our room that he takes over because you can close the door and kids and animals don't bother you. I don't have that luxury. So I just wheel a comfier chair up to our dining table <laughs> and just like spread everything out. And when the kids sure. are bugging me about something, I'm like, do you just want more game time? Do you want more game time? Because we used to have a set amount of hours we'd get, let them play. Sure. Um, but that's gone out the window, obviously. Uh, I think it has for most Well, families. yeah, but especially now where I'm just like, mommy's got a case. You need to go. <laughs> and so uh, for while we record, um, I, well, <laughs> I'm doing my best. I've taken over the desk from the bedroom. Right. I, 
I worried the first time I had a lot of paper shuffling around. So I've right. now just taped all my paper <laughs> around the wall. So I feel like a little bit like a crazy person. A little um, yeah. Drew Barrymore in Mad Love. You know, <laughs> if I may go back and reference that. <laughs> you absolutely may. What oh, a reference. With like the, you know, it. the magazines and she's using toothpaste to hang them up. I don't Pictures know. Of the eyes, yeah, I don't yeah. know why that came to yeah. me, but that's very how it feels right now. And then because well, you're living in some mad love. Yeah. What's happening currently. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I needed extra space. So I've got a drawer pulled out with a cutting board so I could have a higher <laughs> shelf, like extra, extra desk space so that I can have all my files that I need to read because that file is my main file. I've now, of course. I went and condensed it into smaller files, just more easily available to look at the info. And then I've also right. got the photos that I printed out <laughs> in case we reference those for some reason. What I like is that you, you're so prepared for anything. And some would yeah. say, hey, why don't you guys sit down and beat out exactly what you're going to talk about oh. so you can have all those things ready. And that's just not how this show rolls. <laughs> I think we just got to get into it because I'm so excited to hear because there's some things that you've shared with me and there's some things that are surprises to me and that's what that's what really this is like I'm getting an, I'm getting a life experience here I feel like I'm in an escape room <laughs> I'm in my own escape room it just this this case just keeps giving like it's just there's I I have a paper that specifically is just called lingering questions <laughs> because, <laughs> because there's so many things that I'm like okay but what about this? And so my dream is that there yeah. are police in Georgia or specifically maybe the the GBI, I believe they are, who okay. are listening to this right. with a little notepad. Yeah. Ready to see what I'm Absolutely. what I bring to the table and if there's something that they write down and I give them their Oprah aha moment, that's great. <laughs> Look, some would say that, that branches of the FBI are listening to everything we do all the time. So I oh. feel like, you know, hopefully somebody's like, you know, Clarence, I've got something for you. I don't know. Well, then, like, Clarence. let's just say I did get all this information legally. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Let's make that very clear. We have broken. We've broken <laughs> no laws. We are not cooker ch cookie chompering this podcast. Oh, OK, absolutely not. No. I mean, <laughs> we learned our lessons. Damn it. Okay, so for people who aren't familiar with this episode, very quickly, uh, 13 Minutes is a story about the very tragic killing of Patrice Endress. Am I saying that right? I believe so. I've heard multiple people say it, and so, <laughs> you know, just what an idiot. Uh, don't yeah, pretend no. like you don't know. I'm coming to you because I know you know the answers to these things. I have to appear humble. It's, <laughs> it's, it's my brand. <laughs> this is... Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know that in this duo, you were the humble one. <laughs> oh, I think that's pretty obvious. <laughs> oh, my favorite was when I took her to Disneyland for her birthday one year. And we went for three days. And like on her birthday, she got a pin that said it was her birthday. And then the next day, she's like, I think I might wear the pin again. And I was like, yeah, do it. Like, nobody knows. Nobody's going to card you. And then the third day, she doesn't put the birthday pin on. And I said, oh, you weren't going to put the pin on? And she goes, today, I just, <laughs> today, I just want to feel like a normal person. <laughs> Look, when you go to Disneyland and people, the yeah. workers see that it's your birthday, they all wish you a happy birthday. And you would maybe, you know, you'd had your fill of the attention, which is what I liked. Yeah, I mean, yeah, let's let's be fair. Let's talk about how that happens. You're walking around. <laughs> Normally, you see the characters 
and they'll like wave but obviously they don't make eye contact at you but they tend to wave sure. at like the children they don't tend to wave at the adults they're very they're not ignoring the adults but they're also like their focus is the children right but when you got that pin <laughs> it's like you're the queen and they are just like they're like finger gun and like high fives and they're just back when you could high five um yeah and just well i guess they wear gloves so it's okay either way but not the point um but yeah they're just always like they just want to make sure that you feel really special and so well done disney i did and then just just wanted to just wanted to be me <laughs> sometimes the queen takes off her crown you know what i mean <laughs> yeah yeah you gotta you gotta take off your crown to take a bath right yeah um i don't understand that metaphor no. i just made anyway okay so patrice andrus a, a very tragic obviously uh, tale <clears throat> she was a hairdresser she was a mother she was a very beloved member of the community in the town that she was living in, right? And they kind of they kind of talk about that in the episode of the show that that everybody loved Patrice, that she was super bubbly and outgoing, and and people loved talking to her, and people would go to her hair salon just to like hang out or chat or whatever. Yeah, and she was just she was just kind of was a very beloved character in this community from from the way they were painting it in the in the episode of the show. Oh, absolutely, and I mean, and the book that. <laughs> One of the books that I read for this week's homework, um, <laughs> they, they uh, it was uh, talking about talking to her sister who was in the episode and right. she was just saying how everybody loved her and it was, she was always smiling, always happy and uh, I just, yeah, there wasn't anybody that seemed to have anything negative to say about her. I mean, obviously yeah. I did not interview people myself of course of course of course i thought about it (laughs) (laughs) but i also felt it might get uncomfortable like how do you start that facebook message you know i mean i had to dial it back for the sake of my sanity because i'm like what what would i say like my god but I was just, I'm just My name curious. is Christy Oxborough from the hit podcast, <laughs> Unsolved Mysteries with Lauren and Christy. That might be your opener. Well, and here's my resume. At the top, you'll see Cookie Chomper the third. Case solved. <laughs> yeah. Case solved. We were degenerates. Yeah. Um, yes. So Patrice was very loved. And one day she went to work. She had a client she got a phone call the person who made that phone call was was canceling an appointment and they noted that she was very short she wasn't herself she seemed almost rude on the phone and then 13 minutes later there was another phone call that was never answered and it is believed that at some point in those 13 minutes is when she was taken or killed or kidnapped and killed later um but there's obviously huge uh, miss, this is a huge mystery and we'll, we'll obviously get to the different the reasons why and the different people involved and all those kinds of things but the kind of basics that you need to know for us to, to go forward is she was remarried to or I don't even know she, she wasn't married to her son's father right they were, they were not they were never no. wed I, yeah. I never I never found a marriage license <laughs> and I know you looked yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. so she was married to a man named Rob Endress and she had a son whose name was Pistol. Now, again, this was a nickname that was not his given name, and Christy did confirm that for me, which I, I did. appreciate. I um, but basically, the big kind of details you need to know are what I just told you, and she had this husband named Rob, who 
Pistol says for the first year of their relationship, he was great. And then he just became, he totally changed. He became mean, especially to Pistol. And and in the, in the show, Rob was very openly making terrible comments about Pistol, who was a teenage boy, who was a young boy for at the beginning of their relationship, yeah. saying he just hated him, he didn't like him, all of these yeah. things. Um, and there was other people, like I believe Patrice's sister, also commented that there was some tension between Patrice and Rob, um, you know, to- closer to when she went missing and then, of course, was found later dead. She was missing for, I think, was it 600 days before her body uh, was found? It was, yeah. December yeah. 2005, they found her. Right. Yeah. So there's again, there's lots for us to dig into. I think we'll kind of fill in the blanks again for people who aren't familiar as we go. But those are kind of the broad strokes. Um, and I know that you've got lots of info for me. So the first thing, of course, is the the witnesses. So there were people. There was two separate witnesses. You can jump in and correct me if I'm saying anything incorrect. Um, well. Two separate witnesses. Oh, already she's jumping in. Okay, great. I I, I hand over Look. the conch. I hand over the conch. <laughs> I, I love that you're like, interrupt me, and then I, there's still that, you know, Canadian soul that was like, oh, no, she's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, the show ha- showed two witnesses. What we don't know is there was a third witness. What? Yes. So we had the first witness. I'm just checking my notes that I've, you know, taped taped in my weird space. Um, so the first witness, which I had to look on Google map to try and figure out which direction she was going. She was driving east. Past, the fact that you know past this is the amazing. salon. Um, okay. she sees Patrice's car, which is normally parked to the side, parked in the front, like parallel to the salon. She sees a blue car parked kind of nose to nose with hers. And she sees two women hands on each other like maybe one had fallen and one was helping one up or something and the salon door was open and then she kept going that right away i'm like why'd you keep going you know like that was my thing is like if you knew patrice and you were like what's going on there what made you keep going but maybe she had things to do but this isn't this isn't on her (laughs) is what i'm right this isn't right 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 uh and then the police had a second witness who was driving west past the salon he sees yeah. Patrice's car parked parallel. He sees a blue car. And then he sees a woman and a man. And that was about it. And I mean, I think he saw from behind. So, I mean, really could go either way. You never know. Right. Um, sure. But they didn't mention on the show there was a third witness named Michelle Grant. Um, she said she was driving past the salon. The problem is I haven't found a good time, like I haven't found a specific time where it says she gave this witness statement. Um, But I did find, she said she's, she was driving past. She saw a fairly late model white Chevy van. Um, She saw, it was nose to nose with Patrice's car. She saw a white male in his mid thirties, brown hair, brown eyes, which how can she know his eye color from a car? Come on. That's, I don't think that's so. bullshit, but okay, fine. Yeah. Medium height, medium weight, which also feels very like, oh yeah. Like she just went, oh, medium, I guess. Dark sweatshirt, sweatpants, camouflage hat, uh, mustache. And she saw this and the cops were like, this is great. She worked with a sketch artist. They made a sketch of the man who I have. 
<laughs> of course <laughs> you course do. Of course I do. Of course you do. So they have this guy. Right. That they're like, this is the guy. And so they posted his picture throughout most of like northern Georgia, just like hardcore trying to find this guy, try to find the van, all of that. Right. And so they put all of their search efforts into finding this guy, <gasps> finding this van, figuring this out. And then the police got a tip that she was lying. So they confronted her and she admitted she, in fact, was lying. She got charged Whoa. with issuing a false statement, um, which, according to according to Georgian law, <laughs> you, <laughs> you, you can you can serve like five years in prison for that. From what I can understand, based on her court records, which I obtained legally, uh, she got a thousand hours of community service and five years probation. Whoa. But she could have totally done jail time. So the the cops and I, apparently the media at the time were just like, she did it for attention. And it's like, okay, sure. There are people who are like a certain level of crazy and like, I want to get attention. And right. they'll do anything, but risk jail time? You know? Yeah, that feels extreme now this is it's wild to me that netflix the the episode didn't include any of this because this feels like such a huge part of that story that there was a total red herring that was introduced that led the police down the wrong path like that feels like it should have been included well agreed i think maybe they just i think they ran out of time maybe they were Maybe they didn't want to give us something that turned around and was false. Right. I guess if you were trying to cut for time, sure. But that just feels like something to not, to at least, even if you couldn't dwell on it, to at least mention. Because it feels to me like, and to your point, it does seem like risking jail time by lying about something like this feels like you would would have a a stake in the situation. Like, So she's just doing this for attention? Maybe. But it also feels like, if other witnesses saw a woman with Patrice in her last right, absolutely, maybe she was covering for herself. Maybe she yep. was actually involved in this crime. Oh, the second I found out about her, I was like, so wait. So she claims she sees something and then is like, oh, yeah, no, I didn't. And has to go through like court proceedings. She could have done jail time. It's like you only risk that if you're trying to purposely make the cops look a different way. Right. Is how it seems to me. Because- so it feels like she, it, she could either be covering for A, somebody she knows who's involved, or B, herself. Yeah, absolutely. I I have been pouring into her past. <laughs> I've been trying, because I desperately w- believed that somewhere I would find somebody connected to her and this woman, and there would be a connection between the two. I've looked... I've looked. I mean, I genuinely thought that I was going to go through these like stacks and stacks of paper. And at one point I was going to find a person they had in common and I was going to go full like Jeff Daniels in speed and like, we got our scumbag. (laughs) (laughs) I really believed that that was going to happen. Yeah, of course. Look, I can't I can't beat myself up for this. The cops have had this for 16 years and they haven't solved it. What could I do in two weeks? But... (laughs) <laughs> that being said but I didn't it's not I didn't stop trying I mean my god and that and I think that it's the tenacity that that people are really responding to and and I'm responding to 
Um, now, there is also something, though, because this so... Di- you said that the police were focusing on this sketch that she had done with a, with a sketch artist yeah. and stuff like that. Did that lead them to any suspects that looked like that sketch? Um, well, the joke is it didn't, but there was, <laughs> there was a serial killer in the area. They didn't know oh about God. it because of, uh, well, interdepartmental problems, we'll say. Um, <laughs> so this guy, Jeremy Jones... Um, yeah. he was at, he's been like, I mean, currently he is on death row in Alabama, so he is caught, sure. but he, they figure that he's responsible for deaths between like 1992 up to 2004. Whoa. And he was, he got, uh, I think he had like a rape charge and then he like cut and run, changed his name. He got somebody else's identity changed his name and then so the next time he got arrested for something which probably was a rape charge because he's a type (laughs) then the police looked at it and they were just like oh it's a different guy that's cool so they didn't piece together that he wasn't the guy he was supposed to be and he was they fell for the fake identity absolutely did wow um the true joke is the identity he took was a guy who was already in prison so you would think somehow that would figure out but apparently this guy was in prison in missouri so maybe georgia didn't know (laughs) georgia as though she's a person sure (laughs) i don't know but this guy i mean he good god he he did horrific things he um (laughs) he ended up getting caught because he was just a full dummy i mean at the time that patrice went missing in March, well, she went missing in April of 2004, but in March 2004, he was living in Douglasville with a girlfriend who I've also researched. Uh, <laughs> she wasn't as easy to find. Right. But she was there. She, uh, they were living in Douglasville, which was not very far from where Patrice was at the time. And then, like, a few months later, he, I think he ends up in prison in, like, June. He spent a week in county jail because they arrested him for something smaller not realizing who they had and then he goes over to Alabama he horrifically kills this poor woman who he ends up getting caught and charged for right and when they catch him he was like well while I'm here and then just confesses to 13 murders across like six different states one of which Whoa. he he confessed to Patrice's murder He's like, I went, I was bored. I was driving around. I got lost, saw the salon, went in for directions. No, no man is going to (laughs) stop and be like, I I genuinely need directions. Let's go to that hair salon to look for directions. It's like, if they're going to ask, maybe a gas station, maybe not a hair salon. So it's like, "Mm, I don't know about that. Um, So he claims she was alone. She was eating lunch. Um, she was his type, as he says, which all of the victims that they have officially pinned on him. Well, that sounds like he didn't actually do it. All of the ones they have proven that he has. Picked, right. Um, are all the same, like very bright, smiley brunette. So Patrice does fit that. So sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess his type. So sure. He says he took her, did unimaginable things to her. 
and then threw her body off some bridge like 60, 70 miles away. And then it was like, yeah, well, that's where she is. And they and the, the cops wanted to go search there. But at that time of year, when he confessed, the water level was rising so badly that they had to keep postponing searching that river. So that oh. pushed everything back. The thing of it is, though, I took the uh, I, I took the guy's mugshot. <laughs> yeah. And I put it, I printed it on the other side of the sketch. <laughs> Are you going to do a dramatic so reveal? we've got the sketch, right? She is. <laughs> we've got the sketch, and then we've got... Whoa. That guy. Now, come on. Like, a little bit, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, I could so see it. this is... That's so interesting. So he admitted to the crime, and then he later recanted, right? They oh, talked about that on yeah, the show. yeah, yeah. He, like, he, they... They said that he's still a suspect because they haven't officially ruled him out. But yeah, he he turned around and said he killed nobody. Like he's never killed a person. But like at one point, he did. at one point they found him with like a girl's blood on him. And so it's like, so you obviously did kill this girl and he's on death row for it and all of that. But he admit. But what's interesting to me is that he admitted to it. And then he recanted later, and I yeah. knew they said that in the show. But this, but again, it's interesting to me that they've left out this detail of this false witness because her sketch drawing, yeah, it looks exactly like this dude, which makes me wonder, does she know him? Was there a connection I there? Know. I, this is the tough thing. I tried to, I tried to really, like, look into him, and I've looked into him mostly through various, like, murderpedia sites which are a thing i'm learning sure. but of course it's gonna i'm gonna be old hat at it before you know it of course um there was a book that i read specifically that i downloaded i got some i paid for some ebook i'm gonna specifically let people know i did pay for this book and i will reimburse you for that <laughs> i would appreciate that of course save your receipts yeah yeah, yeah of course i mean this this book okay look i'm just gonna i'm just gonna say it like it is this book was a mess. <laughs> I'm not an author. Sure. But um, this particular book uh, called Bloodlust, Killing Was His Pleasure oh by uh, Sheila Johnson. The colon specifically, statement. Right. <laughs> well, it specifically is following this Jeremy Jones and it mentions Patrice in there right. multiple times. So... My, that was my whole thing is I wanted to read what info she had on the case that hadn't been told before. Right. The The problem is it jumps around a lot and it repeats itself a lot. <laughs> oh, dear. And it's just not what you would call well written. <laughs> it's like it makes open mistakes four sentences apart. Like oh it'll, it, it contradicts itself. And then it's like, oh, wait, but you just said, wait, what? And it's, it was, it was a tough read. <laughs> it was a tough read, but not for reasons you would think. Of course. I mean, at one point she said she exchanged letters with Jeremy Jones, the killer, uh, because she wanted to see his side to be able to have like a neutral sort of perspective, I suppose. Right. And he was like, oh, you're writing about me. I want to see a rough draft before you uh, publish it, she responds, quote, there's no such thing as a rough draft when I wrote. Well, it shows. 
because <laughs> maybe was, you should have done another pass, Lady it was, Jane. It was it was tough. There was a lot of info that she had. She right. did mention this guy. She mentions uh, that she's how I initially found out about Michelle being the third witness. Right. So she had some solid stuff in there, I guess, but just mixed in with a lot of why'd I read that, you know? <laughs> I do. I do know what you mean. I feel the same. I felt the same way after I've read, you know, Tommy Lee's autobiography. Why'd I read that? He wrote half of it as the voice of his own penis. Not a good oh. use of my time. Okay, yes, because, but they did say that this Jeremy Jones in the show, I remember they said he is still a, a suspect because he had information about the details of the crime that have never been released to the public. I remember right. them saying that on the episode of the show. So yeah. he is still in the mix. It's very oh, interesting definitely. to me. It's interesting to me to see that this woman drew basically exactly his face and then admitted right. to lying. Then the other question is, was she lying? Or did people get to her and be like, you're going to have to say you were lying to save so we don't kill you? Is that possible? Are the other yeah. witnesses the liars? I mean, who knows? Yeah, I mean, I tried to really do a good, hard background check on him, but he doesn't come up nicely. <laughs> like, it's sure. just, you can't find them on your basic uh, pages. And so I had to go on stuff like this book and various murder sites and whatever. Right. One thing, when he went in custody, they found out he had a storage unit. All that was in it were pictures of... All these women who at first were unidentified, they've since identified all these women. They are all alive. But it's a very obvious, like, it was probably, like, future victims because they were all brunette, oh. all very smiley, all that kind of thing. Some of them knew him personally. Wow. I feel like that would have shook me to my core, but that's not the point. Yeah. Um, the other thing they found was a ring that belonged to a victim that he still, to this day, claims he didn't do anything to but it's right. very obvious that he did right but i just find that interesting that he took the ring because patrice when her body was found they never found her wedding ring to this day exactly so wow. my question is is taking like a piece of jewelry like is that a thing of his so is this another like point to it is potentially him great question great point because i mean my god i have searched i <laughs> I don't really want to admit it, but I've searched pawn shops in Georgia online <laughs> looking for that, quote, one-of-a-kind ring. I had a picture of it on my desktop, and I just went through various counties that they could have been, like, just a full nut job. But, now I of do course I say, never found it. You found, but you, you didn't find it, but, I mean, good Lord, you've done so much. Now, I, <laughs> I... I did like one search and I was not very good at it. And I was trying desperately to link Jeremy Jones to Rob Endress, who is, of course, Patrice's husband. And we're going to get to him yeah. in a minute. But I was like, maybe they did jail time together because I did discover that Rob had gone to jail for a DUI. And I was like, oh, my God, what if he met Jeremy Jones in prison and they colluded on this murder together? So I'm in databases where I'm searching <laughs> jail records in like a small town in Georgia. And yeah. it is those moments that you look at yourself and you go, what are we doing with our lives? <laughs> we should be full time detectives is my point absolutely and like, we've been talking I, a lot the past couple of weeks that it's like if we could just get access to a police computer 
where we would have yes. access to all this information. Maybe we really could, you know, build an even stronger case. That's all I need. I need just like 20 minutes. To, I want like I just need I want everybody who's owned a blue car because the two people who saw blue car were in as the guy on the show said independent of each right, other right so there had to have been a blue car there so i right. want everybody everybody in the state of georgia who had a blue car of those types of make and model i want to read through you page want that list. after page i want that list so you're bad. looking for your scumbag <laughs> Thank you for bringing that back. You're very and, welcome. Uh, yeah, that is one of my favorite parts in that movie. It is mine too, of course it um, is. But I just, I desperately wanted it. And that's what I, that's that to me, that's what I feel like I needed to crack the case. Of but course. I, of course, didn't have it. I didn't even have the proper, like, microfiche. I had to go on newspaper websites, which wasn't as much fun. The statement, I didn't have the proper microfiche, is amazing. <laughs> Now, they're, they're very quickly, before we get to Rob, because there's a lot to talk about with him, yeah. there was another serial killer also that was referenced on the show. This is Gary Michael Hilton, is that correct? Correct, yes. And what's his deal? Well, here's the thing. His, everybody's like, oh, oh, it could have been him. But I haven't found any info that he was in the area at the time. Am I defending a serial killer at this point? <laughs> Apparently so. You're defending the truth. You're defending yeah. the facts. You're Thank defending you. the facts. I'm defending Patrice. <laughs> I'm Damn right. I'm giving her a voice. Damn right. God. Now now I've put pressure on myself. You've put it. It is a large yeah, burden. It is. A large is. burden to carry. Yeah. This Gary, which doesn't feel like a serial killer, but he is. So he was a vagrant. His, his big MO apparently was he liked to go to salons around lunchtime and ask for money. Which just so seems specific. so specific. <laughs> I didn't know what to do really with that, but specific. it is what it is. Wow. Um, so they liked that, but he didn't come into play until like 2008 because he killed a woman, Meredith Emerson, in 2008 and left her in the same body or left her body in the same woods where Patrice was found. Interesting. So ne once they found her, then they were like, oh, well, they're... Is he now this specific forest killer because he keeps putting bodies there? But I don't think he was in the area at the time. I get that he liked to go to salons and ask for money. But if he was some vagrant, I doubt that he was going to have a car. And that they, the police said that there was no, like, the, the shop looked perfectly fine. Like, she just walked out of there. Right. So I doubt, like, she would have made a bigger fuss, I think. If right. it was just some, like, random guy walking in trying to get her and plus there was only such a small small window because they said normally people are coming in and out of that place people went there just to like hang out and talk for hours right and so it's just that tiny little window what are the odds he would have happened upon it unless he'd been casing the joint or something right but i just i don't i don't believe it was him i believe he's done other horrific things of course but i don't believe that was it I do see, the, I see where the police were going, that it's like, it does feel like a huge coincidence that he has an MO of oh, going yeah. into salons, and then also he killed somebody and dumped the body at the same place where Patrice had been found, her remains were found. It does feel like those are two huge coincidences 
that oh, like absolutely. to be coincidences but but also i think what we're learning about the the layers of this insane case is that there's so much stuff that feels like it means something that maybe does and maybe doesn't which is what's you know infuriating oh absolutely and i mean really their biggest thing is he left her body in the same place where patrice was found well patrice was found in 2005 he killed this girl in 2008 Oh, so it was after the fact. So, so that could have like, been a copycat anyway that has nothing to do with anything. I think, I honestly think, like, he he killed her while she was out for a hike. Well, that's not and a salon, like, is it? Right? And so uh, he just, he basically, he killed her and then dumped her body in a place where it was convenient because she was hiking up in, like, I want to say mountains. Are there mountains in Georgia? I didn't do that research. Oh, we're Canadian. We don't know that kind of detail about American <laughs> geography. Let's say hills. She was she was hiking in the hills. Okay. In and around this forest. And that's where he grabbed her and left her there. Wow. So I just, I just feel like, yes, he's guilty, but not of this. Yeah. It sounds like you know? that's probably the case. Yeah. Okay, so other questions I have for you. There was in the show, there was a gentleman who had gotten his hair cut that morning and then yeah. he left before she got the two the, the phone call that she answered and then the other one. Now my question is, who's that guy? How did he get what was his alibi? Do you have any of this information? Did he drive a blue car? You know, these are these are the questions well, that I have. I desperately I, I mean it turns out maybe I don't need a police computer. I need like the DMV. <laughs> so it could be easier sure easier to access that was paul Cantor. <laughs> thank you i i love again none of this is planned i love that i was just like if i pull this out will she have the answer the answer is yes she will yes she will well because he was technically as he's as far as we know the last person to see her alive right and that's usually i so i feel I like went looking into paul's life <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean I, I, again, I wanted to see if there was somebody because he, he, he shows up, let's, uh, he shows up at 11.10 and he says he left at 11.27. He's an older guy. Guy haircuts don't take that long anyway. He was probably a quick trim out, whatever. And the police said he received a phone call as he was leaving. They checked phone records, which would also be nice to get a hold of. Absolutely. He, uh, he said it checks out. He did receive a call whatever so they think he's fine i tried to find any sort of connection to him and jeremy jones because i'm still convinced jeremy jones is part of it right because it's just so like she absolutely was his type he was right there at the time i just truly believe he was part of it and to so quickly admit to it and then just right. be like oh no i didn't and this potential other woman that did that did describe him exactly maybe he wasn't a witness that was seen there but maybe she knew he had something to do with it so she made up that story and described him how else would she have the eye color i mean right i tried i mean it's just i couldn't find his background info to look into i don't know if they, the old man uh oh no i've looked hard oh, into the old excuse man. me <laughs> So I read Jeremy Jones. Of course. My bad. Yeah, yeah. I'm so sorry. Okay. Because, uh, I mean, I used his name as well as the name he was using. Right. When he initially got caught. And I couldn't really 
find a lot of stuff and I'm thinking it's specifically because of uh, the fact that he's a well-known serial killer. Right. Uh, however, he did have a girlfriend at the time. Right. And so I've looked into her and I've looked, seen, I've tr- I'm trying to see if I can find anybody that connects to her because I assume then that automatically would connect them to Jeremy I feel Jones. like trying to find a connection between her and Michelle Grant, the false yeah. witness, there could be, I feel like that's a lead. I, I, I tried. And I wonder if, <laughs> excuse yeah. moi, I wonder if any police people are listening to this going, we know, Lauren, we've tried it. You know what I mean? But listen, oh, we're I just... feel like they're saying that about anything I've said. And yeah, yeah well, we've got to ask the questions. Why? Because, yeah. because again, if, if we don't, who will? Well, the answer yeah. is other concerned citizens, but we, but, but not, not in the same way or the same level of, of research of that you've done. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So you, and do you think the old man who had his hair cut that morning, you do believe he's telling the truth that he had nothing to do with it? Because just because he got a phone call as he was leaving, I don't think that that proves anything. What was his actual whereabouts during that time? Well, that's the thing. I don't know about that. All I know is, I mean, he didn't, I mean, assuming that he went home again, if I could just like 30 minutes with a, with a police computer just to like, I want to, I want to see phone records. I yeah. want to see like, I want to look at vehicles. I want to look like yeah. If they need to give me a heads up if I get this time so I can have like a list of things that I want to look at so I don't waste a second of it because I just want to get into it. He I mean he had no connection whatsoever to anybody in Patrice's life. I've checked Patrice. I checked Oh my god. I checked Patrice. I checked her son. Her son was 15 at the time. Right. Um a little Marky Mark like if I may, <laughs> I don't know why I felt the need to go there. I, for the, for the sake of fairness. Yeah. I, I looked into everybody. And that's because you're a good detective. Everybody. I, I, I looked into, I looked into Patrice, her son, her son's father, her husband, her husband's family, the old guy getting the haircut, or as I just called him, the last client to see her alive very dramatically anybody who's ever shared an address with her i checked into them i checked into this the false witness jeremy jones girl for ex-girlfriend because i god i hope they're not still together i mean you never know you never know but if they are together i want to send her a message which is you can do better aim higher oh you're yeah. deserving of love all right, I think we got to talk about Rob Endress because he is really yeah. the part of this episode that is the most compelling, and I know that you found a lot of information. He, of course, again, for people who haven't seen the episode, he he does not come off in the episode like a, 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 a traditionally normal human. And, and I say no. that in that there was things that he said that just kind of make you, like a little alarm bells go off. And then he says some things that bigger alarm bells go off and then even bigger yeah. alarm bells go off. So just yeah. very quickly, again, for some backstory, the day that she went missing, he had the locks changed either that day or by the next morning. So she was missing and her son could not yeah. get back into the house. And he said because, oh, well, there was a crime and I didn't know if they'd come for me or something. That felt weird. He Absolutely. He talked about how their relationship was perfect, yet multiple other people said that they had massive problems, that Patrice wasn't happy. It seems very much like she maybe had gone to him and said she wanted a divorce because Pistol, her son, did say she came to me a couple weeks before she went missing and said, what would you do if I ever went missing? And I was like, 
no and listen you can speak to this as a mother but i feel like the only way a mother would say that to her child is if she was genuinely in fear you don't just randomly go hey let's play a fun game would you (laughs) what would you do if mommy died like i just don't feel like that's yeah right and she didn't seem the type no uh everything that i'd read about the two of them seemed that like that was her child was her world right and so i mean i've i've read a lot again it goes back to that that terrible book i'm so sorry sheila (laughs) where they talked to the sister and the sister was like patrice never went on vacation with the two of them together she either went on vacation with rob or she went on vacation with pistol never the two of them together because they didn't get along right Pistol was about eight or nine when they got married. And then they were married for the eight years before she went missing. Right. But he is. <sighs> yeah. Well, again, and very quickly again, he he does talk oh. about in the on the show. He does talk about that when they found her remains, he asked the funeral parlor to lay out her bones so he could see her one last time. And then he talks about yeah. going in picking up her skull, kissing it, walking around with it. And then he mm-hmm. made a comment about, like, that was the last time I saw her even close to being Intact. Put to- yeah, which is like, yeah. who would say that? Somebody who's trying to pass a polygraph. Thank you very right? much. And yeah. then, the, exactly. And then the other thing that he, he alluded to was that after that, he got her ashes and he slept with them every night, quote, hugging it like it was a teddy bear. And then he made a comment about like, well, I have her now and that means everything's okay. So there was just there there. I think most viewers who watched the show definitely Mm -hmm. said he was creepy. There was something off about him. And that's why I know I'm excited to hear what you have to tell me about him. Well, here's the thing. When when Rob and Patrice met. Yeah. He was like 50 years old. And she was what, 30? She was a vibrant thirty. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. okay. Not yeah, one of she those. Was 30. Not one of those nana thirties. You know what I mean? <laughs> no. Well, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know why I pointed to me. I'm not thirty. I'm beyond thirty. But I still felt the need. That's why I'm nana because I'm not thirty. Listen. Um, but yeah. So Rob. So my big thing through this whole thing, just forgive me, but fuck, what a creep. Like, everything he said, (laughs) everything he said was just... Yeah. Chilling. Chilling. I am, again, I know I'm just kind of a one-trick pony here, but I would desperately like to watch the the video that they shot that they didn't put in the episode. Like, I just want five minutes alone with that video. You want the extra footage, you mean? I absolutely do, because can you imagine what they didn't put in there? Like... I mean... They claim that they... they put him in in such a way because they didn't want us to assume he was the killer. And it's like, no, <laughs> I don't know if you did your job. <laughs> but like my my big thing was, so he's 50 when they meet. Right. That's a lot of life to live before you know meet somebody. So I'm like, what kind of skeletons are in that closet? And let me tell you. So... I did, a, I did a search for this man. Yeah. I, f- I came across a book. 
another book. I, I'm going to be honest. It also wasn't great. Um, <laughs> I didn't read the whole thing, though. I'll give him props because I didn't want to pay $15 for it because it's literally called My Life and Thoughts, written by a man that is essentially nobody. I'm nobody, but nobody wants to read my book. You know what I mean? Yet. Like, so Yet. But, well, my life yeah, yeah. is an internet sleuth. The Christy Oxborough <laughs> story. Look, I could make it happen. <laughs> That's not the. I would. I would edit it. Of course, I would have a rough draft. I've seen your file yeah. folders. I'm. I'm very right? trusting <laughs> that you would do a better job. I would have multiple rough of drafts. Of course. So I find this book. Yeah. It's a guy. He wrote it in 2011. Okay. He says he was married to a woman named Sue. And she had a brother, Rob Andrus. So I thought, okay. oh, okay, now we're on, now the ball is rolling. Here we go. Yeah. But according to my notes, but is it the right Rob? So <laughs> you're asking the so questions I you should into be it. asking. Absolutely. Right. Yes. Uh, so he says he's about 5'11". Again, I don't, I can't find a uh, height anywhere on him. Again, just a DMV computer. <laughs> 10 minutes <laughs> and I'll get it uh but it says he has reddish hair okay so I'm like okay reddish hair in the episode sure right? so then it says that he met, met a girl from Allentown Pennsylvania I've looked into it his ex-wife has connections to Allentown Pennsylvania and at one point had lived there so I'm kind of believing it's him right and then uh, I was like, oh, well, we'll see. Maybe it is him. Maybe it's not. I kind of hoped it was. And then I hit pay dirt because they were like, well, here's a photo. And he's young, but I mean, he looks like him. And yes, I'm going to, I'm just going to preface this. It is black and white photo. Sure. I, I'm not made of ink. My budget, <laughs> my budget is black and black ink. But I mean, that Lift could be. It up a little. Lift oh, it up sorry. A little. Sorry. There it is. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, come on. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And like, he's got the same nose, the same jaw, all of that. So I'm like, okay. So I'm already convinced that it's him. Right. So this guy is saying that Rob joined the army. He was in Special Forces Green Beret. Interesting. He served his three years plus a two-year extension. He was in Special Operations in Thailand where he had orders to kill anyone he encountered. He uh, understandably, quote, those experiences created some deep prejudices in Rob. <laughs> so not oh, just boy. a full creep, but a racist. Well, we're so, learning. Yeah. So then he says he urged Rob to try college, but he dropped out shortly after because he felt like all the college kids were morons. Now, in the episode, he claims to have a degree in criminology. Right. Yes. And I, I get that this point that this guy's writing about is like the 70s. So it is more than possible. He went back to school. Sure. I have Googled the hell out of his name and college alumni and found nothing. Right. That doesn't mean it's not there. But I just don't believe that he has a degree, mainly because he's... I think he's retired now, but sure. at the time of all of the stuff going on with Patrice, he was working as like at some plant in Conyers, Georgia. Yeah. As like a second shift supervisor. And so it's like, if you go and have 
the time and money to get a degree in criminology? Why wouldn't you use it? And I fully understand that that's a pot kettle black situation because I have a degree and I am not doing a thing with it. In my defense, it's a Bachelor of Arts degree. So <laughs> my father said I wouldn't use it and <laughs> I didn't. Uh, so, but wouldn't you argue that you're using it right now? Come on. Oh my God. If you could just it's tell my dad that. You know, I'll send him an email. Know. Well, you know what? I don't, uh, I don't need his praise. I do. I do. <laughs> I really do. Desperate for it. Yeah. I've been begging for it since I was a child. I... I'm so glad you brought that back. We got to hit You're that welcome. on it. We got to hit that every time, right? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, so yeah, my big thing is why say you have a degree if you possibly don't? It was just a weird, it feels like everything he said in that episode felt absolutely like I just want to let you guys know that I'm smart and I know that you would suspect me because I think at one point he was like I know you suspect the husband you always do right but he's like but I just want to prove how it wasn't me Mm, totally because his big thing was like well I have a receipt and I was getting gas at a gas station that was a far distance away and the timestamp is on the receipt and therefore I couldn't have been there when she went missing now I there's lots of theories about this first of all is there video of him there or is he just using the receipt? He could have sent anybody with his credit card in a car to a gas station at a certain time yeah. to get a receipt. And, right? how, and how much gas? Like, is it li- like, did he literally have to fill up his whole tank or is it just like a fucking five dollar little like little like piddly piddly Great point? Uh, like just a small top up to be like, this is my alibi. But also right. speaking of gas. I have a map. Of course you do. Yeah. Of course uh, you do. So, well, before we get to the map, so the house, I I had a whole other map because I thought they lived in a different area because they've never specifically said where they live. Right. So I had the area. So it looked like he went way out of his way for gas to go all the way to Woodstock where he claimed he got it. So looking into this. I found an address linked to Patrice at the time of her death in this Woodstock, the area where he claims he got gas. Right. So I Google mapped it because I do. And again, yeah, black and white. So up here. Yes. We've got the Google map version of the uh, address. And below we have the episode the house that they showed in the actual show and come that's on, the same that's the same it's house. the same house yeah so now that i know where they live i can look <laughs> it into i can put it into uh google map so right this is their house okay rob works way 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 just not even close to being on the map how far away is that like a, an hour drive probably okay yeah now the real joke is all of these spots are all of the gas stations You're in amazing. the area. Oh, my God. Now, I want to know which one did he go to? Because there's two literally on his way going down to work. Right. But I'm thinking he went to one of these just to be a real dick and have an alibi. Well, and the police said in the in the episode, they said that, you know, he is still, he's not... The, the the alibi doesn't fully get him off because the timing does not add up. Like he could have still right. had time to go and get gas, go and get her at work, essentially take her home, kill her, and then he could still get to work on time 
because he then clocked in at work, which was the other part of his alibi. But the whole point yeah. was, is there was a there was a chunk of time between the time on the gas station receipt and the time he clocked in at work that it's like, well, all of that time is still not accounted for. So yeah, like I I truly believe that there has to be some sort of way, like he could have easily either got gas himself or right. got somebody else to get it. Right. Get up to her where she works, which was about a 30-ish minute drive from where he was getting gas, which he could have got gas from any of those places. So I'm well aware that some of those didn't probably exist in 2004. But, sure. I mean, come on. I didn't yeah. have the time to look up the uh, d- the opening date of each of them. But you're I, do you know I what? Would have, I, you know, I would yeah. Have. If you'd had another couple days, I know that yeah, would have been right? your, your first your first uh, <laughs> priority. I get it. Um, yeah, but yes. Yeah, so that is interesting. That is interesting. So you found this book. We're sure yeah. that it's him. He has I'm this Green Beret pass. Yes. Obviously, then he's been. You know, he's seen a lot. He's gone through a lot. That can do something to a person. So that's a factor too. I mean, yeah. you know. Um, what else, what else do we have? So the house, you've learned a lot about the house and, and I know that obviously our white pages budget is through (laughs) the roof at this point. It's a godsend. I know. I I mean, very, very inclusive. Just so much information that you need to know that you need to know. (laughs) (laughs) For our purposes, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a loose need. Yeah. There's a lot of questionable things. Like they list... On there, they list um, addresses, right. and they give you the time frame that they're at the address. However, a lot of them, it could very well be they just never told specific government people that they left that house. Sure. And so a lot of them, so much overlap, which is ridiculous. Like right. at one point, Rob and his ex-wife and Patrice all had the same address from like 1997 to 2003. Interesting. So, and it was after Rob's divorce because they got divorced because, you know, I went through those court proceedings. Of course. He got divorced in 95. And so him and Patrice would have got married probably around 97. So it's weird. I assume he had shitty credit, to be honest. (laughs) I think he had shitty credit. Well, he does have some judgments against him, doesn't he? Oh, doesn't he, have judgments he, didn't, against him? he didn't pay taxes for a while there. Right. He's currently, like, he's had multiple money issues. He's currently declared bankruptcy, which I almost feel bad about saying out loud. Right. But maybe if he was a nicer person, I wouldn't say it. Well, he did treat um, Pistol pretty badly. Right? Yeah. Right. The The other thing, Patrice, they, li- they list her as that address. The house is shown, obviously, on the show. So I'm going all based on that address. However, during like for like a single month in like, I want to say March or April, because I have it in my notes somewhere. Patrice was listed as an address in Conyers, which is where her husband worked. She was listed as having an apartment there. So then, but Rob wasn't listed on it. She was. So my question is, did they have an apartment there so he could crash and not have to come all the way back home? Right. So is this whole getting gas thing, did he really go that much out of his way? Either way, I still think if he did go to where he, any of the, most of those gas stations are out of his way. They're like a 10 mile east when he did, he needed to be going southwest. Right. 
So it still There's... was a weird, it was a weird choice. But right. that apartment, um, Patrice was in there, oh, from an unknown start date until April of 2004. Then Rob has his name on it in September of 2008. So where, who had it between 2004 and 2008? Right? And then if he's going to get it, he specifically wanted her other apartment? Like it was like an apartment that I doubt she would have lived in. That's weird. Because it's way far from where she worked. Right. Because she worked way huh. northern of where they were living. It right. was like a half hour drive from where they lived for her to get to work. She wasn't going to double that. No. So it's just weird. There's a lot of stuff going on with addresses, but he is absolutely just, I mean, people online, hard majority are like, oh, he's creepy. He absolutely did this. Right. Oh my God. But there is a small percentage and I see you out there (laughs) who think we're too quick to judge. Right. They think he, it's, he's, it's just, he was portrayed weird on the show. To He's which eccentric. I say, you know what? Right. He was the one who said that stuff. I just, I'm dying to know what else he said, but you know. I know. There were people who looked at his uh, body language. They said he often crosses his arms, which is indicating being defensive. He right. at one point extends his arms and interlocks his hands like he's trying to force himself to stay still so he doesn't give off any sort of body language or whatever and when he makes statements he closes his eyes and then opens them and then just like delivers them like he's delivering a script you know so i think him and his criminology degree i think he's about as degree as i am and we both watched a lot of csi (laughs) (laughs) i think i think he knows what like the to do not to do right i'm totally convinced he's part of this i don't know whether he took her or whether he had somebody do it for him but like i just as a wife (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm listening i just if if something god forbid happened to my husband sure and the police were like we found his remains would you like to see them i would be like no (laughs) i don't i don't I don't want to see his bones. I don't want to touch his bones. I think this is the weirdest thing I've ever heard. The fact that he was so comfortable, just like, I want to pick up her skull. I want to cradle it. I'm going to kiss it. It's like that dude was only comfortable because he's touched them before. You know, like that level of comfort comes from someone who handles bones. You know, it's like, it's such a weird thing to say. And the other thing, now listen, I noticed in the show, he was wearing a wedding ring. Now, is that Patrice's wedding ring or is he remarried? It is not. Uh, He has since the show, or not since the show, but he has since Patrice remarried. Wow. And good because his credit is so bad, his wife had to buy the house. (laughs) 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 And that's fine. That's fine. Listen, that's their business. Oh, Um, absolutely. I just feel like... Ah, God, I don't know. This guy, there's, I mean, also something else about him that they didn't mention on the episode, which this could be, this could be seen as kind of like, maybe I shouldn't bring it up, but this is what we're doing. 
with his first marriage, I say first marriage because I don't know for sure if he didn't have another one. The guy who wrote the book who mentioned Rob being in Green Beret. Yeah. He fell out of touch with Rob because this guy and his wife, who is supposedly Rob's sister, right. they got a divorce. Okay. And so in like the 70s, late 70s. So he hasn't seen Rob in decades. So the book, of course, does not mention Rob anytime recently. Right. Which is unfortunate. I looked. It's... Uh, I was hoping for just like a nugget or something, but nothing. Of course. But one thing that they didn't mention on the show, which I was very surprised to find out, that in his marriage to this woman before Patrice, he had a son. What? So. Okay, hold on a second. Yeah. Now, I've also looked into this son. So the son is born in 1982. Okay. So... In 95, when they divorced, he was 13 years old. Okay. So, assuming that they... Because, I mean, I think Rob and Patrice were married in about 97. Okay. So, if they were together for like a year or so before they got married, imagine your parents divorcing when you're like 13, 14 years old, and then your dad goes and marries somebody who has a seven-year-old son. Ooh. There's got to be some anger there, right? Not to mention, I mean, the son and Rob only ever share an address once. And it's the house him and his wife got in like 1986. And he just never removed his name from. Right. But otherwise, they never share an address. So it makes it seem like he never lived with him for any considerable period of time. Interesting. So I did a a bit of a deep dive. (laughs) Into the sun because of course you did because you know what in my line of work everybody's a suspect <laughs> innocent until proven guilty yeah. suspect until exonerated I get it I absolutely. get it absolutely so yes. I'm gonna check and see if this is my scumbag <laughs> just gonna keep bringing that one back I love it uh, I love it the thing is he I mean he's currently like he's he's a father he's married seems sure. like he's got his stuff together which is great. Right. But around the time that Patrice went missing, he would have been 22 at the time. So, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, capable of anything. Because it's not like he's a child. Like, he could totally pull something off. So if he was angry enough, who knows? He went, he got arrested a few times. I mean, he's got stuff like speeding, DUIs, driving under the influence of drugs and alcohol, reckless driving. He also twice left the scene of an accident that involved an injury oh geez so there's a lot there again you can only read so much of the info just like a teaser which is right really rude and also you know you know you can be somebody who has had those things happen that doesn't mean that you're a killer but absolutely this this guy could be fine sure it's just i've I've got to look at everybody that's and he's been entangled with the law is what i'm hearing Absolutely. And I mean, he lived close to where they were at the time when she went missing. At one point, he like, not at one point, at three separate points, he had to go to court because at three different addresses, the landlord took him to court because he refused to leave. So interesting. Yeah. And one of the addresses they gave there was not in the white pages background check. So I was very upset about that. So I had to find out through a different angle, which also gave me his roommates, who I've also both looked into. They have like one criminal record, but 
It's light stuff. They're fine. <laughs> I didn't, it's light I didn't, stuff. I didn't find anything that connected them to Patrice or any or Jeremy Jones that I was trying to desperately right. connect right. people to, or of even course. the fake witness that happened earlier. He also ended up getting a uh, arrested, or no, I don't think he get arrested for it. He got a ticket anyway, fined, I guess, um, for hunting without a license. And then, okay. like a couple years later. He went and got a hunting license, but it has a different birthday on it. Why? What did he gain? I, I don't know. Like, I'm starting, like, is there a way that it was somehow cheaper if you were a certain age? Like, I can't. What other reason would he have aside from getting a dumb lie out of it? Yeah, great question. Yeah, he made yeah. himself a year younger. And for what? Yeah. To impress some cool girls at the hunting license office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe. Um. Okay, so so do you think what you're telling me, he's of the age, he's in his 20s, yeah. perhaps he has some anger, maybe he really wants to, like, you know, make daddy love him. You <laughs> Do you think he could have been involved in this? Oh, it's more than possible. Right. Like, I think it had something to do with either his dad, or I don't know if he was part of it, or I just, I really think his dad was part of it, so I don't right. know that I think he had somebody help him, whether it was his son or whatever i mean right. again he is a happily ma seemingly happily married family man now so maybe he didn't maybe you couldn't sleep at night if you do something like this i would like to think <laughs> sure. uh so sure. you know i don't know he doesn't i haven't heard him speak so as far as i know i don't right. think he's as creepy as his father but well, who knows? i don't know i don't know how involved in his life his father was now, I also know that obviously I, I uncovered the only detail I uncovered was that Rob did go to prison for a DUI. Was there other legal trouble that Rob got into that, oh, that feels of yeah. note? Yeah. I mean, See, I he, he went in, he had a lot of multiple legal problems. The most, I mean, well, I can't even say the most recent one, but in uh, 2000, he had some trouble with a corporation that I have Googled for the life of me and I cannot fucking find them. In So January, they sue him. It doesn't tell me why. Then February 14th of that year, so just like weeks later, case closed, we're letting it go. Okay. The very next day, the company sued him again. But then this time they asked, they put forward a motion for a physical or mental exam. So I don't. Interesting. Uh, it is. And I'm going to say I just want to meddle alone with that computer to read more into that. <laughs> but of course, they don't get too into people's privacies. But that which is sounds. Great, but. Well, yes. I mean, I, I guess that pr protects us all. But I that does seem interesting that that this company, for whatever reason, they tried they tried to sue him once and then they yeah. were so hellbent. They went back again asking for a physical slash mental exam. That feels like again. And listen, as I said. Just because someone has has done time or whatever for for a, a small crime or a misdemeanor or whatever does not mean that 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 means that they could kill somebody. And we are being very clear; we're not suggesting that. But it does seem interesting that this is a person who's being investigated, who's okay. being sued, who's being investigated, and then being asked to take physical and mental exams. It just seems to again paint a picture of who this guy is. The other thing too that I know that we've talked about offline is he changed the locks when did he change the locks because she went missing yeah. one day and by the next day the locks were changed did he do it himself is there a receipt for him buying the locks 
Did he call a locksmith? If so, what's that timeline? Did he call them after she officially went missing? Or was he sloppy? Show me the credit card receipts. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. The whole idea of him doing the locks at all is such a huge red flag to me. Yeah. Because he he admits to locking her child out of the house, not giving him any of his own freaking clothes. Like he was just like, just fucking leave. Yeah. He locked him out. What part of that says, I think my wife is about to come home? Because if his wife came home and found out that he treated her son like that, she would divorce him and leave him. There's no way she would stick around. She would be so pissed at that. So to me, that's a huge red flag showing he truly believed she wasn't coming home. Yeah, great point. And if there was a chance that she had just gone missing with her house keys, wouldn't it have been a rude awakening for her to come back to her own home and not be able to get in? Like, I just don't think that sounds like a typical grieving person. And again, maybe he's just an eccentric. Maybe he's a total weirdo. But in these cases, it just feels like, it just feels like he was involved. Don't you think? Well, it's also weird. He, like, his his half-ass reasoning was, well, something happened to her. I didn't want them to, like, come and do something to me and it's like okay but the police say her keys were at the salon so how were they gonna get in they didn't make a copy and then run the keys back <laughs> so I, like, I didn't see i didn't realize that Very they left they left the keys there so they wouldn't have been able to get in but it's like why would you have made it so your wife couldn't even get in her own home yeah unless you knew well, she wasn't coming back or you didn't want cops inside great points the other thing that I do have to quickly mention is in the show he talks about of course how obsessed he was with Patrice he slept with her ashes every night for a year you know he cared he cradled and kissed her bones and then they're talking to him and he literally opens this like junk cupboard closet and the box of her ashes is sitting on the floor like in a pile of tennis shoes and it's not in a nice urn it's in this dilapidated beat up cardboard box which he then pulls out and he almost had this moment when he pulled out that bag of ashes that in my opinion seemed like titillated like he was just like oh wow I haven't haven't looked at these in so long like it was just like this weird moment Mm -hmm. but the bigger point being I get it you're remarried and I guess maybe your wife is jealous of your dead wife's ashes I don't know but point being Something doesn't add up to me that this person who was so in love and obsessed with this woman to the point that he would sleep with her ashes every night is now discarding them essentially into the bottom of a junk closet covered in like duffel bags and (laughs) squash rackets he's never used. You know what I mean? Like it just, again, it just painted a picture for me that I'm like, that's not a typical, that's not a typical reaction or action for someone who has lost a loved one. No, I mean, that's absolutely not how you show love in any way. Like, there's, there's, there's no affection there. You don't stick your dead wife's ashes at the bottom of the closet where the solo cups got a higher priority in the closet than the ashes. Like, yeah, it's so weird to me. Just just every single thing he did was weird and a massive red flag and just how possessive he was. And he even says, I was very protective of her and I have her and that's good. And I'm keeping her ashes away. I'm not letting anybody have them, especially Pistol. And it's like just so sad, son, too, that poor boy. Right. The son would care about them more than anybody else. So why not let him have them? 
Well, and especially considering they're being kept thrown in the bottom of a closet. It's very sad that, that this, yeah. well, now man is, is who's obviously been devastated his entire life by this loss has not gotten any justice. And he also just doesn't have, you know, a piece of his mother, which is so sad. Listen, it brings us to the point that we have to talk about what our final conclusions are, what our final theories are. Here's where I'm coming from. And then you tell yeah. me because you have more information than me. I yeah. think Rob was involved. I think it was not a single person job. Mm -hmm. I think... Whether it was Jeremy Jones or not, the serial killer, mm -hmm. I think he had to have somebody else, possibly more than one person involved. I think it's more than possible when Patrice was on the phone and she seemed irritated, either Rob was there in person and she was freaking out or yeah. a stranger was there in person and she was freaking out. I think that she could have been either killed. I guess they didn't sh seem to see that any proof that she had been killed in the, sh the salon. There was no proof of that, so no. But I think she could have been drugged. I think that yep. she could have been put into a trunk of a car, perhaps mm -hmm. Rob's car, and and allowed that could have allowed him to continue his timeline. He could have gone and got his gas or whatever. He could have got to work on time. He could have gotten her home, get her in the house, change the locks, and then God knows. He does make a reference in the episode that he's like, who knows, someone who took her could have kept her and used her as their toy, which also felt like I was like, that's just not a way that, especially a man, would speak traditionally about their wife's wife. final days. You know, I don't think most men would want to think about their wife being, quote, used as a stranger's toy. So at the end of the day, I know that my theory does not really say a lot, but again, there's so much information that, that is all leading to dead ends. And I think at the end of the day, he's involved, but he certainly didn't do it alone. What about you? Look, I think your theory is amazing because what? same. <laughs> I, tr I truly believe he's, he's got to be part of he's it. He has be. to be. He's got to be. I just, I, I fully agree. I think she was, whether he had help or something, she was drugged, put into a car, whether somebody did that for him, took her somewhere else, and then he met up later, brought her to a, the house. He changed the locks because he didn't want anybody in. Right. That comment you made about him saying that some, he... He doesn't know maybe somebody used her as a toy. And then, like, later in the episode, reference to using her as a teddy bear. Like, Great point. Come on. Great point. That's so fucking creepy. Yeah. And I get that, I mean, he could be the nicest guy in the world, and maybe the show made him look a certain way, but they didn't make him say, I carried her bones around. Like, and it was the last time I saw her anywhere near intact. And, like... All of it. Like, I fully believe he has to be some part of it. The cops admitted they have not ruled him out officially. Yeah. But they just need something to, you know, push it more towards. They just need that piece of evidence. And I find it insane that he's so clever enough that he isn't getting caught. And that's killing right. me. And I really, I, I do not want years from now him to die and for them to be going through his stuff and find that ring and right. find out he's had it all along. Right. That's would piss me off. I want him. I want him in jail. I want <laughs> justice served. Of course. I want us to get our scumbag. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, listen, this has been a joy. Christy, your level of research is truly stunning. And I think oh, that it's been amazing you. that you've you've done the work. You've shared it with the people. And and I thank you. And I know that they thank you for it. I, I'm just honored that it's being, being acknowledged. <laughs> Listen, 
I've I've just I'm having such a grand time. I, there's nothing that I love more than discussing these things with you, and the fact that other people have responded and like listening to it is the real gift. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. It has been a, a ball and a delight for us to do together. I hope you join us next week. Next week we're going to talk about the House of Terror episode, which is the episode, of course, about the French the French uh, w- w- not royalty, but what would count. we call him? He was a count. He was a count. Okay, great. Yeah. We the French count who seemingly killed his entire family, buried them in the backyard, and then disappeared, ostensibly. So we're going to get into that one. We're going to get into some more cocktails. We're going to talk about the details of the episode, and we're going to have a laugh doing it. So thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of True Crime and Cocktails Unsolved Mysteries Edition. We hope you enjoyed it. If you have a theory about this case, email us, theories at truecrimeandcocktails.com. We're going to read our favorite theories in an upcoming episode, so stay tuned for that. Also, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at True Crime and Cocktails and on Twitter at Not Detectives. Visit Christy on Twitter and Instagram at Unsolved Christy and me on Instagram at Lauren Elizabeth Ash. You can also find me on Twitter at Lauren underscore Ash. And man, that was a lot of handles. But listen, we want to connect with you. Make sure to like, share, comment, all the good stuff. If you enjoyed the episode, please give us a nice rating. It actually is a big deal and can really help us out. And also make sure you join us next week for another true crime slumber party when we discuss the Netflix Unsolved Mysteries episode, House of Terror. Bye. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.